Welcome to the latest episode of Talking Events, the industry podcast brought to you by Event Industry News. Today's podcast is being recorded from the London headquarters of event app provider Guidebook. A big thank you to the Guidebook team for allowing us to set up the Talking Events studio in their offices. You can get in touch with the podcast using its dedicated Twitter feed at Talking Events. You can also watch a video recording of each podcast via the Event Industry News YouTube channel. On to today's episode. Um... And in the loosest sense, today we're going to talk about event marketing, and we'll keep it fairly loose because it will become obvious during today's episode why we're going to keep it as a fairly broad term, because there's there's lots of things that we can discuss and inevitably will discuss. Let's welcome our our guests. First of all, um, Event Industry News Editor, but organiser of Event Tech Live um, for today's podcast, Adam Parry. Thanks for joining us. Um, Ricardo Molina from Brightball. Um, Ricardo's experience extends to, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Ricardo, B2B marketing, how to increase attendance, and really advising event organisers and event planners on, on how best to achieve their goals when it comes to event marketing. Yeah, specifically with content marketing. With content yeah, marketing. marketing. Yeah. Let's begin with your current thoughts. Um, we've been talking off air just before we started recording today's episode um, about a number of different facets of event marketing. What are your current thoughts, Ricardo, on event marketing, perhaps what people are getting right, but also what people are getting wrong? Okay, well, that's kind of oof, big, big, um, big piece of topic. What are they getting right? Um, I'm still asking myself that question. <laughs> um, the reality is that event, uh, event organizers are very set in their own ways. So I would say they're pretty much an old school uh, bunch and and everyone is now doing a lot of email and relying heavily on email so that actually take links back to what they're doing wrong and I think what they're doing wrong at this point in time is that they're relying too much on email they're not personalizing their their approach to to their market and um, they don't necessarily have the time event marketeers don't have the time to think innovate and do all the funky cool stuff so on that note it's not their fault by the way uh, I am an event marketeer and I and I and I'm talking here in the name of event marketeers they do not have the time to do all the cool stuff eh? because the bosses do not support them the bosses all they want them to do is just to focus on generating uh, the attendance with crappy databases that are probably four five seven years old and their solution to uh, drive more event attendance is just uh, churn out more emails, which I think that's totally wrong. Let's let's bring bring you in here now, Adam, yeah. because Ricardo mentions about organisers being set in their ways. Um, I don't think you could fall into that category so much, given that Event Tech Live will run for the second time this year. Correct, yeah. The Event Technology Awards, which had um, a live conference element to it in its first year, will, will run for its third time this mm-hmm. year. So really we're talking about something that's still relatively new. So as an organiser yourself, but as a relatively new organiser, what did you look to achieve in that first year? How did you look to go about doing it? Because arguably you're not set in your ways because there are no ways. No, we're not set in our ways. We, like you say, we are relatively new to being an organiser. Um, but I think because we're new and we're probably a little bit less experienced, we've fallen in some way into what Ricardo said, which is using um, emails quite a bit, especially leading up to the event. There is quite a bit of content to try and share with your audience. You have sessions, you have speakers, you have a duty to your exhibitors to showcase them and sponsors, etc. Um, so there's a series of, or a number of, I suppose, 
marketing opportunities around those that needs to be done and, and email marketing for that is actually really really good um we're in a slightly different position maybe to to other event marketers as we have a publication that's specific to the sector so we're quite fortunate in that you know we have a we have an audience we have 38,000 38, followers on twitter we have people opting into our e-newsletter we know that they are interested in the subject matter that is at event tech live so we're fortunate in that sense and we have focused quite heavily on social media we try and engage as much as we can with our audience but actually there there is there isn't a huge amount of information out there or guidance for the event sector um, if you compare it to other sectors uh, maybe finance or um, you know consumer shopping things like that there's a number of different areas that you can go to to find out different ways to market but you know we've fallen into that trap maybe last year we're trying to do things differently this year if we divide it into two sectors if you will or two 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 categories those organisers who've been doing it for a long period of time have become set in their ways. Organisers perhaps like Adam, mm-hmm. who are organising relatively new events. For a new event, isn't it a bit of a chicken and egg situation? Because to market properly, you have to understand your audience and you have to be able to analyse precisely who your audience are. But for a new event, you might not know for two or three years exactly who that audience is. It makes the job difficult, doesn't it, for a new event? Definitely does. It makes it more difficult. I think um, people like Adam and, and Event Industry News, they're in a very good position, in a very advantageous position because they already have that audience. And probably mm-hmm. you were first a, a publisher or yeah. a media from before you were an event organizer. Yeah. So that what happens with that is you decide to organize an event, probably you didn't know or you had a blank canvas and you're learning, every day you learn. So the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to get hold of what technology is out, out there. So you learn as you go along yeah. with you start from now. Um, traditional event organizers or exhibition organizers, conference organizers, they they have never been content providers and they are at a big disadvantage. So um, on, on, the, on that note, because they are that, that big disadvantage, they just don't really have, in, in the same way what Adam said, there's no knowledge as to how they, can they go about creating and nurturing that audience. They do have that, 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 that particular audience, but they don't know how to, how to nurture it. The answer is content, and they need to start to become or think like publishers, which is kind of a, a very big gap. But again, to answer your question, in, in, in the other environment, someone that starts with an event new, uh, that has not been uh, an event organizer, I think they have a really good opportunity to, A, begin with a blog, begin with content, start engaging that audience through social media, through LinkedIn. Anyways, someone that starts an event new, they will go to LinkedIn, they will go to Twitter, they will go to the, the main publications to start reading, engaging first, kind of digesting all that information. So, um, but they are, again, at an advantageous position because they can just literally begin with uh, event apps that are new out there that are gonna make things easier for them. They're gonna be able to, to, to set up all their infrastructure within a week. And I think that's the that's the biggest biggest advantageous position. You can set your event company, your event business within a week with absolutely everything. There's tools out there, amazing that you can set everything up from from start to finish, without actually investing a lot of money. So that's a big thing. If if we're going to bring it right back to layman's terms, because there will be people listening to this this podcast who uh, are new event organisers, um, but equally 
there will be those that are set in their ways who are looking for a bit of inspiration, a little bit of a way to maybe kickstart their way of thinking. So how could we kickstart that way of thinking? How could we start breaking down in, into the different vertical strands or the streams? Or, or, or how, would we, how would we start approaching it? Can I just comment on, on maybe what Ricardo is saying? You know, we have come from an advantageous position of being a publisher, but actually I think if event organisers start to think like publishers mm-hmm. and start to think how publishers build their audiences by delivering relevant content to them on, on a frequent basis and then looking at that content, how it's engaged, and either developing more of the good content that's engaged mm-hmm. and ditching the stuff that's not relevant because nobody's reading it, then fundamentally, that is a great way to market their event. I was actually sat with a, an organiser from a company that organises about nine events a year for the legal compliance sector. Um, she's now moving into... She's, the, the lady that I met there, event organiser, she was only one person in that organisation mm-hmm. managing those events. She's now moving and using tools to help her become a publisher to give her an o- to give her audience that she has for those events a year-round presence with with them on their on their platform. Which is which is essentially giving her a year-round marketing opportunity, yeah. isn't it? It's all it's all about three hundred and sixty. Then it sounds like a, uh, <laughs> a password, but it's 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 been constantly engaging with our audiences. It's constantly marketing, which in essence is not marketing. It's adding value. Which um, earlier on we were discussing about the buyer personas, buyer profiles. If, in order for you to organize a conference, you need to know your target market. You would have gone through a specific process of understanding who's gonna come, why they would come, etc. Now, once the event is organized, all people then switch their modes into, okay, now we've got an event, let's hammer the hell out of this uh, database, let's just broadcast, let's just do all this and assuming that the, the ignorance and what really kind of it's upsetting from my part is event organizers and event CEO company you know CEOs of these organize, organizations they think that it's all about their product it's all about their conference or all about their expo but the reality is not about their expo it's not about their conference it's about challenges pain points that they are addressing within the audience so if they start talking first about those challenges, pain points, and relate to that audience in that sort of language, in that sort of capacity, then they will have a, a, a reason to sell or to introduce their event at the right point, at the right point and, 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 and get people to attend their event. So it's just like, we call it, that's top of the funnel marketing, which is about content engaging. Middle of the funnel marketing is when you have gained their trust and you've gained their permission to say, by the way, we've got this event coming up. And, and I think that's the big disconnect. Event organizers do absolutely everything that they need to do, that they need to, do to, to do top of the final marketing, but then once the event is ready, they switch on to uh, bottom of the final. So yeah. it's a bit. I'm interested to pick up on, um, on, on the strand element of it. Because uh, at the top of the podcast, you mentioned emails. People's reliance on email marketing mm-hmm. there's all these different methods out there what are there any examples of, of, of how people have utilized some of these new methods correctly incorrectly I mean are people using social media for example to its full extent to actually market properly or are they just using it as a means to put some some vague information out there every now and then um, I wouldn't say it's vague I would say it's purely broadcast so they're using Twitter to broadcast their events uh, they're using LinkedIn groups to tell 25, 30, 40 LinkedIn groups, we've got this event, there's an early bird, 
and they run out to think of things to say, right? So they're, they're complete. I mean, my view, in my and then view, they start saying it in different ways. Exactly, <laughs> and they start saying the same old shit in different ways. Excuse my French. Um, so it's really, really frustrating. So no wonder why event marketeers and event organizers are saying, "Oh, social media doesn't work," or we don't get social media. Of course, you don't get social media because you're using social media as a broadcast tool and not necessarily as an engagement tool. Um, and, and, and this is, again, where how can you get and how would you make social media successful? You make it successful to the extent that you do not talk about your event. You make it successful to the extent that you start talking about the audience and the and recognize the, their challenges and pain points and put out content mm. that is relevant to them. So that's again uh, using Adam's example that they have they had a very good advantageous position which that they already publishes. But from someone that is just is not a publisher, the key is you must have a blog. You must have a content piece, a, an area where you will host all your content, whether it's a video, whether it's a podcast like this, whether it's a, you know an interview that they've run with their potential speakers, with the potential sponsors, all that is a, is, is a tremendous uh, source of content that they can just repurpose that and add value and share it with the audience or share it with the, with, with the public. Because the theory says that if you've been talking about a topic on a regular basis, the likelihood is that like, you will gain someone's trust and you will, you will be perceived as, a, as an expert in a topic. And in fact, you are, if you, if you, if you can, talk with authority about a topic, people will follow you. And if you are an event organizer, you're in a very, very good position to then lure these people to, to your event. If, if I was to mention one of the things that myself and the team have looked at, Michelle, who also works along with, with me on the marketing of the event, one of the things we've looked at is essentially partnering with some influencers within our sector and within the event sector who have an interest in the subject matter that we're producing at Event Tech Live and working with them on exclusive opportunities for, for individuals there to either work with us on content for our audience so they can talk about what they feel and their, their opinions of, this, of the sector or the technology, let's say, that's being used, or give them opportunities at the event to have, have, have exclusive content that they can then deliver back out onto their platforms. Um, for me, these people are really, you know, people, mm -hmm. people are now becoming influencers, becoming really powerful, whereas before it's always been traditional media. Yeah. Um, people are now looking to individuals for influence and, and to, for knowledge sharing and things like that. And that's one of the things we're doing. Interesting you say that, um, Adam, because today we were um, at, a, at, a separate, um, at a separate meeting, we were talking about, you know, now publishers are, are organizing events themselves. So mm -hmm. the... Any event organizer that is relying on what we call media partnerships or event partnerships are having their doors being closed by the day because publishers are realizing that events make a lot of money and then it's, 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 a, it's, it's a good means for them to engage with, with their audience. So traditional uh, publishing organizations are no longer becoming that means to, to promote an event and influencers is what I see as, as being absolutely hot. The problem with that is, as, a, as an event marketeer, you're not going to find uh, media packs. You're not going to find uh, any source where you're going to find a list of you know, uh, influencers in, the, in a particular industry. In order for you to find who the influencers are within an industry, you have to be in it. You have to yeah, be subscribing to all these blogs, subscribing to all these RSS feeds, participating. So in a way, um, 
any event marketer or any organization that, that, that needs to promote event, they need to submerge themselves with, with, with the audience. And almost naturally, they will understand who the influencers are. And by the way, if you contact an influencer and say, look, we are attracting this audience. We know that you have that audience. Most of the influencers are going to say, yeah, well, of course. But that's, that's my audience. That's, that's how we need to, that's how we want to serve uh, the industry. I mean, I, I talk for my, my own personal example. Every time I'm invited to talk about event marketing and then, or, or, or problems, issues, social media, I, I always say yes. I always will share that with my blog, with, with my readers, yeah. with, with, with the people that, that I engage with because it is in my interest. I love talking about all this and, 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 and that's kind of the, that's like the, the key. Those influencers engaging with those people. If you are now engaging with those influencers, by default, you will not be selling anything. You will be just then sharing uh, that particular topic, that content, and people will follow. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to, to tell uh, an event organizer that has a P&L, they have their targets to meet and say, you know, trust the process, but it does work. What we say to, to, to organizers is, if you blog once a week, about the topics and, and issues around your industry, you will gain critical mass at some point, you know, that you can multiply your, your website visits by six times, 10 times. And that, once you have that audience, you will be able to, 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 to gain permission to, to, to invite them to your event. And it's much more elegant way of doing marketing. And Adam, I don't know if you've spoken to any of your peers if you can call it that but guys who are working in marketing departments perhaps in some of the bigger event companies organizing multiple events for multiple audiences different types of audiences multiple sectors um it's a fiercely difficult job is it because ricardo you're talking about submerging yourself in an industry in order to be able to understand it and market it properly but if you have got a marketer at a big company who's responsible for marketing five or six different shows each one of which is for a different sector how do you submerge yourself and be able to apply all the different media that we've got now because it's not just print media like it was 15 years ago i think what companies need to do and this might be in, in some sense harder for larger companies is to empower everybody within that organization to engage with their audience so let's take a large organization like ubm they will have teams that work around products and, and, and specific events or a series of specific events generally related to each other They'll have salespeople, they'll have marketers, they'll have the event organizers, the producers, and anybody that generally helps out on that event. Given the right tools and the right direction, everybody in that organization that's wrapped around that event should be able to engage with the audience. It, it, it doesn't need necessarily need to be anything overly complicated. It could, you know, there's tools within Twitter, it could be a simple retweet, a favorite, a sharing of some content. LinkedIn's a great place for that. There's communities, you know, Event Industry News has a, a, has a LinkedIn community of around 4,000 individuals. Great place to share some content, engage, ask a question. So Ricardo, do, do, do we think that event organisers and companies who organise events need to take a greater overall responsibility for their marketing rather than just leaving it to the marketing department? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's for sure. So when you were highlighting those companies, I, I, I honestly feel for the marketeers within those marketing teams because they're already working at 150%. They do not have the time. So can they do that in the way that we've described it? That's a no. It's impossible. It's impossible. When I'm, when I'm sitting with, with uh, CEOs and MDs of these organizations, I say, well, you have to change the way you do things. You cannot pretend that um, your marketing team is going to be able to do all these things about uh, cool marketing or cool event marketing because they can't do it. So 
that in that sort of scenario, in those so in that sort of industry for the likes of IQPC, you know, IIR, you know, informal therapy, they the the person that they rely uh, on to to do all this social media engagement with the with the producer, because the producer will work on only on one specific vertical. The marketeers will work on many ones, which it adds to their frustration. So. Um, some companies, uh, I know, in fact, like IQPC has started uh, online communities that, are, that operate completely separate with the separate marketing departments and doing marketing in the way that it should be done. Terrapin, I know that they've done, and the UBM have their, their their online communities as well. But they, in a way, operate now. They operate separate. So the big companies, they are at a big disadvantage because. They, they they are set in their own ways and 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 I think that's where the biggest uh, problem the problem lies is, is is so much red tape so much it's they're very clunky I'm sorry to say that but they're very clunky so whereas a new organization they can just have that um, what we call velocity they can just make decisions yeah. quick they can just do everything and everyone has to mark in so an event startup you will have an event producer a conference uh, an event producer a sales guy and uh, and a marketeer between the three of them all of them have to engage within social media so as, as, as adam said it's not really complicated we're not talking about rocket science here but when all of the three are involved in that in that in that sort of environment it makes it much easier well let's let's ask the question adam um how many people are responsible for, for, for event tech live and the event technology awards what, what what size is the team of people that you've got actually working on that across the well everybody's everybody does something you know we myself and michelle work on the marketing and i'm constantly talking about the event at events in, in just in general life we we talk about the event where we can practically do it on event industry news so that's my role paul does the same i'd say across the across the business there's about seven of us but but does everybody does everybody have access to things like your facebook page your twitter page to your you know your email database can everybody access that and, and chip in no, is it a don't. collaborative effort? They, not, in, not in terms of access, no, because there's, there's certain you know, areas that you have to look at in terms of security, access, you know, posting certain things. There, there does Data be, management. There just has to be a process of, of yeah. quality control essentially in place. But everybody's charged with making sure that everybody's aware of interesting content, interesting subject matter. Eloise, who's one of our salespeople on Event Industry News, she still engages with that community, even though she's not directly working for event tech live she will still do that as part of her role because it has an overall company benefit um kizzy is the, probably the one that engages um with social media more than anybody else because she has the focus she, and we've given her the tools to be able to do that she'll share things that are relevant to the to our followers with um from our exhibitors or from our speakers speakers are a key as well i think in terms of marketing you can really leverage speakers and their audience to help market the event, which is something that I don't think a number of events do greatly. They don't, get, they don't give the speakers the tools either to be able to do that as well. Have you been able to empower your speakers and your exhibitors to actually promote the event? Because I think that that's a key element, isn't it? If we're looking at you know, reducing the pressure on the actual marketing teams in these organizations, if you can make the event better for everybody involved, you're creating a wider network of people that can potentially go and market the event for you, aren't you? Yeah, that definitely. That that is the idea, but it, I think it you is. have to be careful with that, though. I think you have to be careful with. I know you say empower, which 
suggest that we're going to give them all these fantastic tools and they're going to go off yeah. and send the information to the editors. Really, really good exhibitors will do that anyway because they Correct. know the power of getting their contacts and their audience and their clients to that event. They, they want them there as much as meeting new people. I think you have to be careful because with some, it could be seen to be kind of like, you need to bring our audience to us and, and it's maybe a pressurized thing. It could, it could work the opposite way. You could actually get exhibitors and speakers turning off. And going, well, I don't really want to do this. Yeah, and I think, I think there's kind of two, two elements. One side is um, empowering the, the sponsors, empowering the speakers. And yes, there's an element of the event organizer saying, we've got X number of tools, or here we go, we've, we've written this email, we've written this copy to make it very easy for you guys to do it. It's just how easy can you make that uh, for them, right? But at the same time, Everyone seems to think, and I don't dispute that uh, sponsors, exhibitors, and uh, speakers are the best possible way to market your event. No dispute whatsoever. The problem, the problem begins is who is responsible for yeah. doing that engagement? Again, marketeers, big problem because it takes a lot of time. So, and it's, 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 it's a very frustrating journey of trying to engage with speakers, trying to engage with uh, sponsors, to, to, to do all this promotion. In some cases, and where I've seen this being successful is where the producers or the people that engage with content, within the conversation, they almost inspired all these guys to, yeah. to, to sell the idea. Why is it hot? Why is it cool to do it? Um, the same with sponsors. So I would probably say a big percentage of sponsors, and I would call it old school sponsors, will say, that's what we're paying you money for, to generate the lead. So in that sense, we're not gonna do anything. You do the work. That's, that to me is an old mentality. Uh, and, and, and then again, touching back on what you said, savvy marketeers uh, at speakers side of things and from, from sponsor point of view, they will do that naturally. So I think it's just kind of working with those that really wanted and not, not spending or wasting time with those that um, don't engage on that front. Yeah, and one of the things that we've looked at, although we've not implemented it yet, is, is community leaders essentially. You will have people at your event who are attendees. They might they might be sponsors, they might be exhibitors, but they they could be attendees as well who will be big advocates of your event. They will mm -hmm. love your event. They will you'll support it fully. They're, they're spending their own time and money to get to that event. There's, there's a reason they're engaged with it. Those people, if you can find out who they are, can be real powerfully used really well to to market the event. They become your support team in terms of marketing. They can feed the information back and to you go right these guys are talking about this they're wanting this and then they can go back out there and and that works for a number of large companies that i know where they're even corporate companies and they have community leaders engaging with their customers and their clients and then they'll put other people in place in different pockets that all feeds back then it becomes the job of the event marketer rather than to worry about marketing to everybody to help coordinate those community leaders and support them which relieves some of the the pain of, of having to deliver everything, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and, and also touching on, on, on that aspect of, of who within the business. And I think everyone is an ambassador of, 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 of your event. Everyone is an ambassador of your brand. Like for instance, when you see when you see Adam, you say, well, that's Adam from Event Industry News. He, he He's the guy behind the, the, you know, this event. You see, you know, uh, you know, when you see Julius, you say, oh, that's Julius. He has, he has this blog. 
but people sometimes don't realize that he, he does a lot of interesting things and sometimes you know you and that if you spot this individuals they're always very happy to help so but everyone is an ambassador of the brand so uh, and i think that 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 is that is key just just talking about email mar- going back to email marketing I, I personally feel that sometimes that's the, that's the one that goes to the fallback is because it hits the most amount of people yep. with sometimes the least amount of work and the metrics are there. If, if you say, if you report into somebody, into a board or something like that and say, right, we've marketed this event three times this month to X number of thousand people with this copy that got signed off, then that's a big metric. You can start adding some numbers up. If somebody was to report back and say, well, I've retweeted this guy, I've sent that guy a message, I shared this bit of content. It's such small metrics that I think the question would be, well, what, what's the value in that? How can that really impact the event overall? It's so small. And that's why email has gone back to because, oh, we've got a database of 4,000 attendees. Let's just hit them. Everybody gets the message. You can understand emails in, in, in a way, though, surely, because people are all carrying around a, a mobile phone in their pocket now that picks up emails all the time. So there must still be a, a major attraction for marketers to use email, given that people are not just going to pick it up on the desktop computer anymore. They're going to pick it up when they're stood waiting for a train or a bus. Let's, 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 I think let's be clear. Email marketing is not the devil. It's how that's used where it's where, where it's going wrong i personally feel exactly and all event marketers are doing it wrong and uh, how so <laughs> <laughs> the reason why they're doing it wrong is because they're using whatever database they have they're not segmenting that database they're not talking to their audience on on terms that are re- related to them and they are assuming that everyone is waiting to 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 hear the the message at, at any given point at any given, any given time. Um, the way I describe email marketing that uh, event organizers uh, perform email marketing is in in Barcelona. Then you have the seafront about twenty five bars mm-hmm. with playing really cool funky music. So whichever bar plays the loudest amount of music wins. And what happens with event organizers is assume that you have 10 event organizers organizing an event on a particular topic. They always feel that the, 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 the most successful way in which they should do marketing is just do more emails and make more noise to, to the audience. And they turn think it up that louder. Turn it up louder, exactly, which I think is completely affects everyone. So, and, and touching on, on, on that point, and again, email is not bad, but if done correctly. Um, people will receive those emails uh, in their uh, mobile phones and wherever they are. The problem is we human beings have an attention span that is now shorter than a goldfish. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's really surreal and scary. So email is not the answer because everyone always, again, puts, put, puts the music louder and that really does not work metrics it's very easy for a ceo of, a, of an event organizer or a sponsor obviously they're gonna they're gonna ask how many emails are you planning to send on this email so when you say okay if you've got a database of ten thousand people you're going to send 10 or 15 emails you say hundred and fifty thousand emails we're going to send everyone feels comfortable with those big numbers the reality is that if you see uh, an email of ten thousand people with a click-through rate of 0.2 percent that is absolutely rubbish right you cannot market an event and you cannot achieve 
delegate numbers with those uh, sort of um, click-through rates. Mm. On top of that, you know, event marketers are so attached to these databases. You know, a, a database with a 0.3-0.2% click-through rate what the hell are you doing with the other people that are just delete that from the database just yeah, uh, just that. want to throw something um, uh, into consideration da a database depreciates at 25 percent uh, every year so if you have data that has not been responding for the last two years or anything like that it's very likely that you might as well start anew it's absolutely nothing and that's what happens if you are getting click through rates of 0 0.1 0 0.2 just erase the whole database you might, might, might as well start anew Again, that's going to freak uh, out uh, your boss. And, th and that's a combination, though, of data and, and perhaps poor content, isn't it? Exactly. Because, again, everyone, again, I, I, I like to use this analogy. Event marketeers market events in, in the same way someone that wants to go to a nightclub and tries to pick up a girl and, and, and ask her to marry her, uh, or to marry him, sorry, in, 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 the first, uh, in the first conversation that they had. That's the way event marketers market mm -hmm. events. It's not about that. If, if using the same analogy, you really want to be able to, to understand, okay, so I like that particular kind of girl. Is she a vegetarian or does she like steak? You know, is she, uh, does she drink alcohol or not? If she drinks wine, is it red, is it white? So you need to start building that uh, relationship, that relationship, that attack plan or however you want to call it, so that you build that conversation and, and gain her interest. So, there's going to be a point where you're actually going to say to her, look, my intention of me um, being so interested in you is because I really like you and I really like to marry you at some point. I'm not going to say let's marry next week, but I want to marry you at some point. So I am actually serious. And then that girl is very likely to start kind of uh, treating you seriously. And it, it works exactly the same way with, uh, with event marketing, you know. Gone are the days where you just send an email, 20 people just simply registered and then they pay a thousand pounds they didn't claim discounts are. Okay, using that analogy then. Yes. If we're going to identify what wine do they like, do they like red, do they like white, what food do they like, what films do they like, what, what, what are their pastimes, what are their hobbies. Is this then applicable and, and a good analogy for the different strands of communication that we now have available to us to market events? We've talked about emails. We've talked about what people are doing right, what they're doing wrong, and how, how, how to re-establish, you know, how about they, they go about doing it. Let's look at other opportunities, like Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Are, are people doing this right? This, surely this is another opportunity. Yeah. Billions and billions of people use it. Are we identifying whether or not it's applicable to the people that we're trying to wine and dine to get to our events? Absolutely, yes. You know, uh, Facebook works for B2B. Yes, it's not a priority, but it depends on who your audience, you know, where is your audience and if you understood that. And, and again, Facebook, do not try to reach masses with Facebook, just try to reach that specific sector. And then you, you, you've hit it on the head. So I might, in, in, with, using the same analogy, I really want to find out about what, what, the, what the girl's interests are and, and what she like, you know, she, you know, what her background is. So I might want to approach her first, face to face, then I might want to drop her a text and then at some point, I might want to give her a phone call uh, to say a quick hello and everything. That's kind of why you use your multi-channel uh, approach. But uh, it really stems down to that particular audience. So uh, translating that into event marketing, you need to understand and you need to create those buyer personas, buyer profiles, or however you want to call it, which is literally a, a hypothetical representation of that 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 our person you need to understand how old is he how old is she what what are the likes dislikes but more importantly 
what are the challenges today in the workplace. So as a, for argument's sake, you know, if you're organizing an event in, 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 in automotive, in the automotive industry, you need to understand like an engineer in a, in, in a, in a car manufacturing company, what, what is that engineer doing? What are the pain points for that engineer? What, why would he care? You know, what challenges he's facing? And very likely a conference is going to find a solution. You know, that engineer is want to understand only one aspect of your event, not the whole 12 sessions or so to speak. I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on, on something that, that I picked up at a conference probably about three years ago now. And it was somebody who said that the most important, most important button for any marketer on Facebook is the share button, not like. And you can, have, you can put content on there that might generate 10,000 people liking it, but it's actually people who are willing to share that content is, is, is what will help promote your event. Um, this all comes back to generating content that relates to your audience, doesn't it? Would you agree with, with, with that particular statement? Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. It's, it's, it's not the likes. Uh, it, it's it's who, who, who's going to share it yeah, with, with, their own, with, with their own group of people, with their own network. I think it's getting in front of those people in the first place. And, and if I was to explain about how we're looking at Event Tech Live, so we're looking at our registration this year as being a key to our marketing plan the following year. We're looking at, we're putting tools in place to allow us to understand who registers through Facebook, LinkedIn, social media. That gives you an indication of their preferred platform. If they're using an email, then that's what they prefer. We're then taking the information that we collect on them, their, their likes, their pain points, what, what areas of interest they are, and that gives us our segments. And now there are tools on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn that you can actively target a specific person with a specific message based on the information that you have. So if you have their Twitter handle, you can go to Twitter, you can set up a campaign for marketing, and you can sp share specific content with those people directly into their feed. Do more events need to do this, Ricardo? Do, do they need to plan further ahead than they are at the moment? Are they, are they guilty because of the time constraints of only looking at this year's event and how they market this year's event, rather than thinking, we'll take the hit this year, this year in order to prepare for the following year? Oh, a CEO is never going to say we'll take the hit uh, this year. He or she will never say that. I'm talking about the, the organizations that organize between 10, 15 and upwards uh, events. A smaller, a smaller company, um, some savvy CEO, we're going to say, yeah, we know that our marketing plan or our growth plan is probably uh, a two-year plan or three-year plan. In fact, I, I've, 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 uh, I've met companies that know that their first event is, is almost part of their second event, you know, because that's kind of, it's the live experience, you know, once you have the live experience and they, they bring uh, TV crews, they bring, you know, podcasting, you know, tools and everything, and they literally create the content at the event, at that first event that is going to market the next event yeah. in, the, in the following year. That to me is absolutely fantastic. That to me is absolutely clear. That allows to, to allows them to sell sponsorship packages that are have a, a, a longevity, a, a proper lead generation campaign. That's absolutely the way forward. But um, yeah, traditional traditional guys, they, they have a challenge with that. Forgive me for moving things on quite swiftly, but I'm, I'm conscious of time and, mm -hmm. and we need to cover quite a few things before we wrap up today's episode. Um, Twitter. The tagline to Twitter from when it was launched, join the conversation. Now, earlier on, you were talking about people using it to broadcast rather than to engage as such. 
Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on, on how people have forgotten this element of actually using that particular platform to have a conversation? Adam, I, I know that the event industry news is huge on Twitter. Um, how much of that has been born out of engaging people in conversation rather than just broadcasting to them? If I'm absolutely honest, that we, we, we do engage through event industry news, but we tend to use our own personal profiles to do that more than the actual corporate um, account. And, and, and that is because we are a news outlet. People generally just want to see the information. Through. They don't want to see replies to other people and things like that. Although we do do it. We get asked questions and we respond to people using that Twitter handle because they've responded to us on that. Where what we try and do is use our own personal accounts. I've got a personal account. Everybody in the team's got a personal account. And they engage with their audience and they build their own mini audience who are already following event industry news anyway. And that has more value because... I have a face, I have a name, I have a personality. People will buy into me and and follow me because they like things that I share, even though I share cats and my food and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. as well, as well as industry stuff. And and that for me is is more value. You start to, that can feed into a corporate account, that can feed into an account like Event Tech Live and stuff like like that. I think it's it's better to build those relationships with the individuals within the business it can be done the right way with a corporate account. I think it just, I would, I would do it that way. It loops us back nicely into this um, way of, of, of identifying that perhaps teams as a whole and organisations as a whole need to take this collective responsibility for marketing, doesn't it? If, if what you're saying within your own organisation is that there's a responsibility of the individuals to use their personal accounts to engage with people and, and, and have that conversation using Twitter as the example then it does dovetail nicely, doesn't it, into getting whole teams to, to join in? Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, again, in, when you're talking about the word corporate, then it all becomes absolutely impossible. But yes, when you are a small organisation, absolutely, yes. Um, but I think, again, it's not rocket science, and I think um, it goes back to... There's another, probably a topic for another podcast, but it's about um, uh, talent, recruiting talent. Normally, uh, modern event organizers or modern companies are now um, hiring native uh, Twitter attic guys, people that are very used to using Twitter Mm. without actually being told that they have to do it and they will do it naturally. So in that sort of environment, it's very easy. But if you're looking at a clunky organization, it's it's just absolutely impossible. Um, But yeah. You, you you normally use your your, your uh, and then again in, in in the case of a publisher you use your um your your corporate uh, Twitter handle just to broadcast but you're broadcasting uh, articles you're broadcasting interesting stuff so that's kind of why event industry news you can use that that's fine and then through the personal account then you, you you have the other the other personal touch but if you don't have that or if you're not a publisher with your same Twitter handle you can do the broadcast. Or publish or publishing of content value add content content that someone else provides or someone that someone else produces as well as your own event but um yes it's a topic for another i i think indeed it is a topic for another day mm. um on that note i think we need to bring today's episode uh, to a close um we need to thank adam parry from event tech live for joining talking events thank adam thanks for uh, for popping in um ricardo molina from brightball thank you very much for your input in today's Welcome. podcast if you have any thoughts or opinions any uh, input anything you'd like to add um, or share with us please feel free to tweet at talking events um, a video of this podcast will be available via the event industry news website and on the event industry news youtube channel i've no doubt that this subject will run into further episodes of Talking Events, but for now, thanks for listening.